listening to the Fully Feast Podcast with Pete, Craig and Rick. Welcome back to the Footy Feast Podcast, the place to tune into if you're hungry for more footy content. It's a big week this week, boys. It's taken 10 episodes, but Rick finally got his reach out and we have a special guest on the podcast tonight. Rick, who's our special guest? So, Rick's reach out was successful this week, boys. I reached out. Thank you to all the Port Adelaide supporters who contributed. I just did a throw out on some of the Port Adelaide pages looking for as we know him by now, Jezza. And we got in contact with Jezza and we've given him a call. And yeah, a bit of interesting content there. Something to have a look at. All right. How are we this week, Craig? Uh, yeah, pretty good. Um, went to the showdown on the weekend and quite enjoyed that. It was eventful in some different ways when you're sitting up in the grandstand watching the hill. So um, we'll have a bit to talk about the showdown a bit later. So um, yeah, good. Perfect. All right. Now, just to kick us off, we'll uh, play the interview with Jezza, the pitch invader. Jezza. How are you, mate? All right? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad, mate. Just getting flooded with messages and shit. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You're a local celebrity now. You've made a little bit of fame for yourself. Yeah, a bit of fame on social media there, mate. Yeah, that's good. So, first of all, welcome to the Footy Feast podcast. It's great to have you here. You're our first live guest. Super impressed. Loved your work. Just want to open up with, it was good that you got more metres ran than Tex Walker on the night, which is a big win for yourself. Definitely, mate. And the power got the win too, so stoked with that, mate. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, I hear that you're a bit of a serial uh, pitch invader. This isn't the first time you've done it. Yeah, mate. Second time round. What's the um, reason behind it? You just want to just keep pitch invading? Oh, the first time, to be honest, I've always wanted to do it, but I didn't have the balls to do it. And um, second time round, I wasn't actually planning to do it the second time, but yeah, 20 beers deep, mate, and... Uh, if you've ran on the field before, you'd know that rush and how it feels to be on that oval, mate. And yeah, just, yeah, that's probably what made me do it again. Well, you just got, you answered my next question. My next question was how many beers deep were you? Yeah, but, uh, mate, yeah, a good 20. A good... I've finished, I've knocked off work at about oh, 12 o'clock and I've been drinking ever since, so. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, so on the other note, so I see you're trying to sell your, sell your, uh, your shoes and your mullet. How's that going so far? Yeah, mate. Oh, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't put the mullet up. Yeah, but I'll put the shoes up there. And, uh, yeah, I've had a few offers, a few silly offers, like Zinger Box, pack of darts and <laughs> six-pack and that. But, <laughs> no, that's but yeah, good. I reckon if I got them signed by Robbie Gray, I reckon I'd get a bit more cash for them. But, yeah, I'd, I'd mainly just put them up for a laugh, mate. Yeah, all right. Um, no, that's pretty good. Um, so, the other thing is, so, just out of curiosity, do you know what your fine's going to be yet? Um, I'm not sure on the fine yet. I'd say another 5000 but um, – I know that I've got. I've found out today that I got a six-year ban, so I didn't okay. get the life ban, which I thought they were going to give me. But yeah, ended up with another six-year ban, so I'll be back on my fortieth. <laughs> so you're going to pitch invade again for a third time? Nah, mate. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it this time. I'll try my best. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're retired from pitch invading. That's good. Yeah, mate. I'll be too old then anyway. Yeah, that's fair. Um, another question is, so this time since you planned to do it, did you train for this? Like, did you get some run training in, some sprinting practice, or you just, you just, you've just got this no, natural ability all, already? To be honest, I did, I did my knee probably maybe two months ago, so I'm surprised my knee actually held up for that run. Yeah, no, that's but yeah, good. I definitely made it a lot further than I did last time. Were you trying to get to Robbie Gray, or you were just happy just to run? 
I was happy to run, but I was trying to make the whole field straight over the fence through the crowd and try to hide from the security and get out of there. But, yeah, I was that close. By another 30 metres, I would have made. Yeah. Funniest part was all the security slipping over trying to get me. Yeah. But, so, like, yeah. I sit, like, uh, pretty central front row and people were loving it. Like, you were getting applause from our area and it was awesome. Yeah, it added a lot to the game. So, it was really good. Yeah, mate. No, it was the end of the game, you know what I mean? End of the season. So, just a laugh for everyone. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Do you have anything you want to, like, say, shout out, anything? I just want to say that the power, up the power, fruit tingles, shit. <laughs> <laughs> we destroyed them, mate. We absolutely destroyed them. And I heard that they're going to be having an oval at Thebiton soon. So, hopefully, they have a game there in a couple of years and I can go there. So, even though it's six <laughs> years Adelaide Oval. I'll be able to get out there soon. So, And I've got a page on Facebook called Hashtag Live Action where we scale beers. Get on there, join, right, like, awesome. share. I'll upload a video of me sculling a beer there for you. Beautiful. Cheers, right. mate. Doozy, cheers for your time, Jezza. Absolute legend, mate. Thank All you. Right, see you later. You're a legend. So as Craig said earlier, uh, we went to the showdown this week. As a Crows fan, personally, I was disappointed that's how we ended our season. But, oh, well, what can you do? Uh, 50,900 fans turned out for Robbie Gray's last game and Port got the win for him. Um, how do we think the showdown went this week, fellas? What you can do is you can go buy me a six-pack because I won the bet that we put on. What do you want? Byron Bay Lagers are my favourite, but I'm happy with any beer as long as it's not fruity. Done. Byron Bay Lager it is. Well, I do love a good Byron Bay Lager. Um, back to the showdown briefly now. Um, good game. In the initial stages, but the Crows just got overrun. Port coming in with some good form last week versus Essendon, um, and it looked like they just kept rolling um, with that form. So I I think it was a pretty good game. I got distracted towards the end watching the hill because there was a bit of shenanigans going on there. It was getting the pretty f- heated on the hill there, wasn't it? It was. We saw a few fists flying on the hill, so uh, that was quite interesting. Yeah, apparently. Uh, apparently five people got arrested. Yeah, right. There was also a whole bunch. There was a whole crowd circling around making a uh, a pathway down the hill, blocking the actual pathway, and uh, fans were taking off their shirts and sliding down the grass because it turned into mud. So, f- there was a whole fourth quarter they were doing that, and the security kept uh, telling, them, telling them to stop, but I think at the end they just conceded and thought, oh, well, as long as they're not getting involved with other people, we'll just let it happen because there was too many of them to stop. Yeah, was the stuff that didn't happen in the showdown more interesting than the actual showdown? Like, that's what I feel like is most memorable. Obviously, Robbie Gray's last game was very memorable. Um, They did a few things to finish off. Rick, how would you sum up Robbie Gray's career in a few sentences? All-time Port Adelaide great. Would he be higher than Ollie Wine, say, as an all-time great? Well, it's hard because... Ollie, uh, Robbie Gray's done a lot for Port Adelaide, but the thing is, when you're talking about all-time great, it's making history. And Robbie and Ollie Wines is the first ever Port Adelaide player to win a Brownlow. So, like the history of what that is significant for the club means something. Who's a better player, and who's been a better player for Port Adelaide? It would be Robbie Gray. But Ollie Wines has put in a big piece of Port Adelaide's history. No one can, no one ever can be the first Brownlow medalist for Port Adelaide. Now that's taken. Ollie Wines has secured a piece of history for himself, but. As a complete player, Robbie Gray has had a better career for Port Adelaide. Yeah, his career got off to a bit of a shaky start. He had a few ACLs and he had another one early on in his career. Um, Started off as a small forward and then he had a couple of good years where he went into the midfield and he was a jet once he moved in there. 
he'd be in the top three or four players in the AFL. It felt like watching him anyway. Yeah, like realistically, he is kind of the precedent of the Christian Petrarca, Dustin Martin role. Like they've taken the role their own way by being bigger, stronger, whereas Robbie Gray's always been that midfielder who can go forward and kick two, three goals a game. And like you said, like he has been a sensational player and he was even good last year. He just started to taper off towards the end of last year and then this year you could tell that his career was coming to an end and he's done the right thing and made sure to actually take the step down while he's still got dignity, while he still could play football at all, really. Because if he was to continue on next year, I don't think he could make the 22. No, I think – and he finished on a high note too. He scored two, three goals. Two, two goals. Two I think goals. he scored two goals in the end. Yeah, two goals, three, I reckon. So yeah. if he kicked straight, he could have had a bag. And I don't think they were feeding him the ball like they were Josh Kennedy the other week who kicked eight. I thought it was he earned every one that he got. Um, had a stint in the midfield. Well, his first goal he kicked basically on 50, which was pushing his, That's pushing right. his distance. We were talking about that. We were I, talking about we said he, he was wouldn't make it. it. Yeah. Yep. And then, but I mean – I don't know what was going on in the goal square, but no one even contested that ball for Robbie Gray's first goal. It was in the last quarter, though. He took that mark about 55 out and people were, like, cheering for yeah, him to but go. But he- when, he, when he dished it off, they booed yeah, him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's because, like, as as a Port Adelaide fan, I wouldn't have cared if he had a, had a stab and missed. Who cares? We, we, we talked about this, saying that, you know, it, and especially at that point, the, the game was won as well at that point. So you might as well take the point, do a, do a talk. No one cares. It's your last game. The crowd's cheering you on to do it. Um, that's why I obviously booed a bit disappointed, but I mean, he had a good game. I think he did it for his own health. He was probably afraid of tearing his hamstring clean off the bone by sending the ball that far. If you never send it that far and then you you try to kick it 60 metres, at his age is probably not a bad idea to dish it off. No, I think... Um a good career in the end from Robbie Gray. I know he's compared to a young Gary Ablett when he started before he'd done all his knees. I don't think he'd quite in that company, but he wouldn't be disgraced um, on the field with Gary Ablett at all. So um, a good finish and a good showdown crowd to finish off too. So pretty happy with that. There was also, uh, I don't know if you got any, Rick, but there was uh, free KFC at the showdown as well. Bullshit. Not outside the Eastern Gate, free KFC from the KFC sponsor. Yeah, I got a, a couple up. of them. I got a crispy strip and popcorn. I, yeah, we I got a well. crispy strip and some chips in a bucket. Thanks for messaging me, boys. I would have went and got myself <laughs> some KFC. Oh, I didn't even think about it. Aren't you on the eastern side? I'm on the side. Yeah, you're on the eastern stand. So, did you walk in the east gate? You would have walked straight past it. Nah, I walked in the um the gate, southern gate, the southern gate next to the hill, just because yeah. of we parked on Ward oh, Street. The northern oh, gate. northern gate, yeah. yeah. You need yeah. to get your directions down, Pat, mate. Yeah, nah, it's all the same. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, free KFC. They did it earlier in the year as well for one of the games. But um, yeah, they didn't discriminate. I was wearing my Crows Guernsey, and they happily gave me a bucket of chicken. So yeah, happy days. And just a finish note: perfect pair was a big fat no no. I think the last couple were, so very disappointing we didn't get a couple of no yeses and shocks towards the end because they are the best part of port games is the perfect pair. Um, I've still got a couple of notes I want to talk about, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right, this is it. your airtime. Go for it. All right. Um, so one thing that I did actually appreciate this time is a lot of the time the supporters are very biased in calling decisions that aren't there, like ball, kicked out on the – like deliberate, all of this nonsense. I feel like the game was actually really good, like the fans both ways weren't fishing for freeze that weren't there. Um, I was sitting around a few Crows supporters and like 
they were good when they were winning and they were good when they were losing. It's not like they had hissy fits. So I feel like the crowd was actually pretty good. Um, another note I have here is Rosie and Butters are Boak and Robbie Gray 2.0. If they stick around long-term, they're going to be the two faces of the club. I like that. Yeah. Connor Rosie's probably going to be the next captain of Port Adelaide, I reckon. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, I don't know if Zach Butters will stay. I don't know if Zach Butters will stay forever, but I really hope that Port Adelaide do what they need to to keep these two around. There's the uh, the articles come out saying that Port Adelaide has almost the most money in their salary cap. I hope they don't go blowing it stupidly this year or next year because in 2024, Rosie, Butters, Dersmer, Georgiades, there's a long list of players I'd rather keep than trying to bring some people well, in hold on. this Let me say a few names quickly on top of that. Uh, would you spend money on Brody Grundy? Yeah, the 600K if Collingwood pay the rest. Would you spend money on Josh Dunkley? To be fair, though, it depends how much money he wants. That's not the question. You said don't waste salary cap. Would they be a waste of salary cap or would they be a good spend? Depending on the money. Like, Josh Dunkley's not a $1.2 million a year player. No, he's not. But he might get eight eight hundred to move across. Yeah, eight hundred. That's a fair price for Josh Dunkley. Yeah. But, like, Clayton Oliver's, like, on $900,000 and, like, Dunkley is, isn't as good as Clayton Oliver. I agree on that front, yeah. So, like, you have to do it in comparison but player also- to player. $100,000 less a season is a fair, bit, fair chunk of it money. It just depends what team you're in as well. Some teams pay their stars more than they do their average players. Exactly. And the and the type of role that you want that player to play as yeah, well. Correct. On top of, we just got rid of Motlop. That's 500K. Robbie Gray would have been on 500K. So, Port have opened a lot of cap space. But you don't just go spend that money straight away. But if you're in the window, or are Port in the window, first question? I was about yes to say, no? are, are you guys in the window next year? Not next year. Not next year, year no. no. Not okay. with Hinkley in as coach. Case. With Hinkley as coach, I don't think we can win a flag. In that case, you don't spend any money on Dunkley and Grundy if you're not in the window. You go to the draft. But if you're in the window, then you start spending money on these kind of players. That's how it works. Or if you, I spoke to Craig about this on the way to the showdown. Oh, sorry, at the showdown. I just heard people talking on the radio while I was driving to the showdown about Hinkley next year. And just for you, Rick, as a Port fan, they were talking about what is his bar that needs to be set next year for Hinkley to leave on good terms. So, what what are you expecting as a Port fan? Yeah, what's a pass mark? What's a pass mark? Does it make finals? Is it make top four? Is it win the flag? What what's a pass mark for Hinkley next year if he stays and continues to coach the whole year? He has to win the grand final. Oh, okay. That's fair. And he said on a list that's not grand final worthy. So I think Hinkley, see you later next year. Grand final or bust. How many rounds does Hinkley make next year? I think it, it's hard to gauge. They're not going to sack. If he has it, like we said, if he has a bad start, they'll sack him. I don't think they will. They'll keep him until at least After past the halfway. halfway. Yep. And then, depending how close we are to not making finals, then they'll probably in- implement a caretaker. Um, like you said, I did actually go and have a look at some of the coaches that are out of contract. Um, so the Fremantle coach, the Sydney coach, and Western Bulldogs coach, they're all out of contract next year. So potentially Port Adelaide could be gone after one of them. Damien Hardwick isn't. He's still got two years left. I was hoping he was going to be out of contract next year because like people are talking Alistair Clarkson, the best coach of like however long. But realistically, he had a lot better team than what Richmond had when they won their flags and he's done it more recently and he did it where it didn't matter who got injured the Richmond game plan won well Clarkson won his first one we're getting a little bit off topic but Clarkson won his first one in 2008 then waited five more years before winning his second one whereas Hardwick won them all in a row so I'd argue that 
he won with a whole different team five years later and managed to coach them back into a grand final after winning one. So I'd argue that legacy is way better than someone who wins three in four years. I'm happy to say four in ten years is is a way more better achievement, or way more better, is a way better achievement just because he rebuilt his team again after that grand final five years earlier and won again. Yeah, but all the core players were still there, like Sam Mitchell, Jordan Lewis, Lance Franklin was there for that. Like he had absolute AFL legends. Richmond has Dustin Martin, and then the next closest player is Jack Rewatt, and they added Tom Lynch just for the last one. So, like, we're comparing, like, Hawthorne had this dynasty team. Richmond had a team of misfits that Damien Hardwick implemented a game plan that allowed them to, regardless of who was injured, someone would come in, they'd play a role, and they would win. If you look at that 2008 season, Geelong won the 2007 Grand Final. I believe they beat Port, Peter, is that correct? Yeah, just, by I'm just trying to think back in the vote. Yes, they beat hundred, Port. Hundred and some, 120 points. So coming off a 120-point grand final win the next year to be beaten in the grand final were outcoached by Alistair Clarkson on pure tactics alone in 2008 grand final to win that Hawthorne. Geelong were definitely the best team. They went and won in 2009. They were in the prelim in 2010. They won the grand final in 2011. And Hawthorne were nowhere near until they got back in 2013. So I'd argue that legacy is a lot greater. Yeah, I don't know all the details, but uh-huh. it could go either way. Watch some football. <laughs> all right, that's uh, the end of the Port Talk. We've still got more Port stuff. Two more. Two more points. Smash them out. All right. So Amon leaving is obviously going to be a loss. Shout out to Carl Amon. Good service at Port Adelaide. Last two years, you've become an absolute gun. Check but- our Facebook uh, socials. Rick's got a selfie with him. Yeah, have a, have a look, give it a like. The positive of this is Xavier Dersma actually showed that he is keen and interested in playing football again. Um, he kicked two goals on the weekend, playing on the wing. Actually looked like a football player again. Still not anywhere near the development of Rosie and Butters, but if Xavier Dersma sticks around, he's good enough to fill that role that Carl Amon's going to leave. I'm not saying he's as good as Carl Amon, but it's something in that position until we find something else. Oh, Dersma does progress more and um, can take that as his own spot. Um, and then the last thing is, boys, we were right. Fogarty and Marshall, they're going to be absolute elite forwards in the next three years. Like Marshall kicked four goals leading. They were both accurate again. Darcy Fogarty, like in real life, he's a monster. He pretty much just told people to dob the ball on his head and he just stands there and clunks them out the air. This is digressing a tiny little bit as well, but we were talking about how at the start of the game, there wasn't much biff or any kind of, fired up players considering of all the all the sledging that was um, kind of mentioned during the week before the showdown. But Fogarty outmarked Jonas like two or three times in a row, kicked a couple of goals on him. I just wanted him to get in his face and give it to him. But Fogarty did well on Marshall. Ah, sorry, on uh, Jonas, I thought. Yeah, the thing is like if you look at Port Adelaide's list, we spoke about it already. Their biggest weakness is we don't have a genuine key backman. Darcy Fogarty towers over Tom Jonas. I, I agree. Port shopping list should be for a key defender. I don't know if there's one out there, but it can't hurt to have a go for one. It was that bad that they actually put a Lira Lira on Fogarty for a bit, I'm pretty sure. Lira Lira needs to play more key defender. He's the strongest. I think he gives the best shot to take the big boys. But yeah, but, uh, let's wrap up the show down there, I reckon. All right, so the minor rounds are finished now. We're going to get straight into the week one finals matchup. So the opener on Thursday night next week is Brisbane versus Richmond. Brisbane paying $2.04 and Richmond the favourite at $1.81. 
Yes, I had the same face when I read these as well earlier today. Yes, the Richmond are the favourites. What do we think about that, boys? That's unbelievable. There's no way Richmond can be favourites against Brisbane at the Gabba. Brisbane losing to Melbourne is a very different proposition to losing to Richmond. I think Brisbane get the job done on that one. Cam Rayner hurts out, but I think they should get the job done at home on this one. Richard? If Tom Lynch is playing, I think Richmond win the game. I just think Richmond are coming into better form at the moment. Brisbane is slipping. They lost Cam Rayner. He won them a game a few weeks ago when he kicked three goals in the last quarter. I just think that um, Richmond are ticking along better at the right time of the year. Fair enough. All right, straight into the Friday night's game. Melbourne versus Sydney at the MCG. Melbourne $1.46, Sydney $2.73. This is where the first upset of the weekend comes in. Sydney will win this game. They are in a lot better form and they just seem to be gelling and working a lot better all over the park. So I'm happy to say Sydney win this one. I was all for Sydney up until Melbourne absolutely decimated Brisbane. I just think... um, They've got more finals experience. They know how to win these important games. And I just think Melbourne are going to come out and be a little bit too strong. I really do want Sydney to win this game. But after what they did to Brisbane last week, I just don't think that um, Melbourne are going to let this one slip. Agreed. I'm with Melbourne on this one. Next game, Saturday at the MCG, Geelong versus Collingwood. $1.43 for the Cats, $2.87 for the Pies. Now, we talked about it off-air. We know what Craig's opinion is. He reckons the Collingwood will get over the Cats. But, Rick, what do you reckon? Um, yeah, I think Geelong are going to be too strong. They've been the best team all year. Um, I don't think anything's changed. They've got two big hulking key forwards who are going to kick a bag of goals. And, yeah, Geelong are going to be too strong. I strongly disagree with this. Collingwood match up extremely well against Geelong. Always have. Have a history of getting it done against Geelong and Geelong are coming to the MCG to play us at our home ground with about 70,000 Collingwood fans there. So good luck to them. I don't think they can get this one done, Geelong. I think this is where they get found out. Just digressing slightly with Collingwood, Craig. With them having coming back from a few, winning a few games from coming back from behind... Mm-hmm. Can they continue to do that or is that going to get them uncut in the final series if they can't get in front and get a lead? Like, are they going to be able to maintain that through the whole se- series? It hurts, um, definitely. You want to go in ahead, um, but they've shown with, with six of their last 12 wins that they're capable of running teams down within three or four goals at three-quarter time. When the pressure's on, those teams crumble and uh, they come to the forefront and... They just make it happen. So I would rather not be behind, but if they're within two or three goals at three-quarter time, I think they can definitely win. And the last game, there's no Sunday Sunday footy next week, but it is the Frio Dockers versus the Bulldogs at Optus Stadium. The Dockers are $1.46, Bulldogs $2.73. I think the favourites get this one. Frio should take care of the Bulldogs yeah, especially, quite comfortably. Especially over in Perth. Yeah, they've done it just a few weeks ago. They beat the Bulldogs by about 40 points. So I think, yeah, they can do it again easily. This for me is the upset, I reckon. So I reckon Western Bulldogs are actually going to come out. They're going to prove that they've had a bit of a bad year. They're going to turn it around and they're going to show why they were in the grand final last year. Well, um, that one with Freo at this one. Interesting. I think we went all opposites every single game. Yeah, well, you probably did, I reckon. <laughs> we actually the, did. The rivalry continues. Yeah. Let's see how many we get right. 
<laughs> All right, that's the week one finals matchup. We'll uh, revisit that after the first week. Last week, Craig gave his two All-Australian teams. He floated this idea weeks ago, but it was a bit early in the season to do the All-Australian, so we left it to last week. Now, for those who listen to the podcast, you know what the idea... Uh, who listened to last week, you know what the idea of the two All-Australian teams is. But for those who have been following the media this week, it has, especially in the last couple of days, as you say, Craig, it's come out that this idea might have actually a lot of traction with the two All-Australian teams considering they've just announced 44 players in that list that they uh, released. So how angry are you at that, Craig? I would just like a little bit of recognition to come my way. I heard Sam Edmund. Got the idea from a source. The name is Craig, that source, Sam Edmund. Um, I also floated the idea on another podcast in Perth with Duff and Quarters. One of you boys really liked it and the other one thought it was a really dumb idea. Well, it looks like Craig might have come out on top on that one. And I think there's been a lot of media hype around it, people saying that it's a It's a second place award. No one really cares about an All-Australian second team, but it's just a recognition like the first team All-Australian. Having that at the end of your career saying that you were in the best 44 players that year is not not a bad idea at all. And I think that it has some merit. And especially when you're coming to, and I think this is what really affects the NBA and other sports in America, when you're coming to negotiate a contract, the fact that it says second team All-Australian on there might get you an extra 50 grand on your contract because you were pretty close to the top team. Um, that's how they have incentive-based things built into their contracts and this could be just another incentive-based thing built into your contract. I think if they do announce it tonight, I would be surprised because I have spitballed this idea for a while and it's gone nowhere, but um, there you go. It turns out I wasn't far off the money. I reckon you even floated uh, this idea in the in our keeper league chat last yeah, year. Yeah, it's I've been floating. You've been floating. While, yeah, but now somehow it's um, actually becoming reality potentially. So we will see in the best part of an hour what happens. It's been uh, it's happened a few times, so we're just going to say it again. We're only we've only started out this pod what, 10, 11 weeks ago now, and this is about the fourth time we're saying it. But you heard it here first on the Footy Feast podcast should be a new hashtag um just with what you've said it's actually a really good idea to have the second team but if they are going to implement it i think a big change that needs to happen is that you must play that position in order to actually secure that position so i don't want to see christian Petrarca playing half forward flank anymore if you're going to have two teams that means that now the six best midfielders in the game can actually make it and then actual half-forward flanks will be on the half-forward flank. Wingmen will actually be wingmen rather than, oh, these are the eight best midfielders, let's just dish them out all over the field. Yeah, it, that, it depends what the criteria is. So you'd have two options. You either pick the best 44 players of the season, obviously with making two teams in mind, or you break it down into groups and you pick 14 defenders, 14 midfielders, 14 forwards, whatever you need to do, three rucks. Um, because if you're going to put two teams together out of 44, really no one misses out. So you have to be able to have at least two rucks selected and at least three midfielders, etc., etc., forwards, key forwards, key backs, four key backs at least. So the criteria just needs to become clearer on what they're doing if they're going to do two teams. 
because you need to have 44 players go into, yeah, well, fit perfectly in the positions that they should play or near play, like Rick says, into their two All-Australian teams. So you need to pick four wingmen at least that play wingmen or at least play a percentage of time in the wing um, to make this credible, I guess, is what Rick's saying. Yeah, like we haven't seen who's announced yet, but do you think it's a stitch up if someone like Carl Amon and Ed Langdon miss out on a spot who are genuinely 100% wingmen who actually play the role well to someone who doesn't actually play on the wing? So like when we did our hypotheticals, I had Bond and Pelly on the wing. You because did. Because you, you can just put a midfielder wherever you want. Well, you can. I tried to pick. Well, I had a human cluggage on one wing for me and Sam Walsh on the other wing. Yeah, you Sam just Walsh named plays two a lot midfielders. Of, no, McCluggage plays outside ball on the wing. So does Sam Walsh. Like high uncontested possession players, perfectly fine on the wing. High meters gain players also. But yeah, they do need to pick genuine wingmen for, I think, going forward. If this is what they come out with, the criteria's got to change. You can't just pick, you pick the best, I don't know, eight midfielders or whatever it goes into to go in there. I don't mind having a wing, a, a forward midfielder playing on the half-forward flank, but they need to be someone who, let's say, a Christian Petrarca, or there needs to be a criteria of you've kicked 20 goals or something or a goal a game to be able to be on a half-forward flank as a midfielder just to take out that you're just filling a position there in the half-forward flank because you don't get in the midfield. There needs to be a criteria set to make that spot. Otherwise, you just better give it to half-forwards to actually play there. Like a Bailey Smith, for example, started half forward, which is what Sam Walsh did also for most of the year before moving into the midfield as an extra mid. Um, so the criteria is very loose and it needs to probably be reined in if you're going to make two teams. Yeah, I like you just nailed it on the head. Like, There's going to be players that genuinely miss out that have shown glimpses that they could have been in the All-Australian team because a Christian Petrarca gets that spot. Like, like for example, um, Dylan Moore from Hawthorne. Like, he's had an absolute stellar year. Actually, he's a legitimate forward, whereas Christian Petrarca spends as much as he can in the midfield till he's tired or if they are like want to rest him or something he'll go and play forward so he is literally stealing a role from the genuine forward players who are missing out on the opportunity to make the all-australian team yeah so that's the next evolution on selection is picking players that actually play there they have to break it down into groups it'd be the only way yeah, like you said, a player like Shy Bolton is genuinely a centre forward. He literally will play games as a forward. He will play games as a midfielder, depending what the team needs. Christian Petrarca does not play games as a forward unless it's out of the blue. Did this year, though. This I remember year he him did. playing a lot of games up forward, starting out of the goal square and just not playing. He did start a few games up he forward did. this year. Yeah, I think it was two or three games because of the Crows game we went to. The Crows game we went to where he kicked four yeah, goals, he, he played, played as a forward. forward. Yeah, yeah. He did. He played similar to Bont this year. They played him up forward a fair bit. Yeah, see, I would say Bont and Pelly should be na- be allowed to be named forward because he plays more forward than Petrarca does. Yeah, but he also got DPP as well, so he played the percentage as well. So is that how you mark it? Is there a certain yeah, well, percentage? Correct. Is there a certain percentage that you have to play as a forward for the year as overall game time or something like that? I agree. It would have to be a third potentially would have to be the cutoff. So like 33% maybe would be. You would spend one third of your time in that area in order to be able to get that to be able to play that Australian yeah. team, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm about that. That's all good. Hmm, that's not a bad idea. All right, uh, I reckon that wraps up the All Australian team. Is there anyone we talked about it last week? A few controversial people we had, but we won't go through our teams now because we're going a bit long. Um, just one more thing on this that I put out to the fans. So I had a quick look through Twitter and just seen who some of the people were upset that they actually got snubbed from being in the 44 players named. 
Um, so the majority that I've seen for forwards was Peter Wright and Aaron Norton. Um, so I offered Peter Wright, Aaron Norton, and neither, and neither one. So neither of them should have been in the 44. And then I put out Dacos, Dawson, and neither, but this was a lot closer. So Dacos had 42% and Jordan Dawson had 37%. So I feel like the majority thought they actually should have made the team. Yeah, and I thought Sam Doherty is the other one who was pretty stiff. Off yeah, I thought back. Doherty was stiff as well, not to get in there. Yeah. Um, I did also hear, though, they were talking about this has probably been one of the best years ever for rebounding defenders. Like, there's just been an absolute onslaught of elite um, quarterback roles, essentially. Yep, and I would have thought that I would have Sam Doherty ahead of Adam Saad in that role, 100%. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of players who were thereabouts and missed and whatnot, so it's all good. It's how it works. Speaking of Saad, we touched a few weeks ago on some racial comments that were made to him from a supporter, but this week we had some comments that were made by Dane Zorko to Harrison Petty, which left him in tears at, was it three-quarter time or half-time or something like that? Yeah, three-quarter time. But um, So, where do we think the line is with sledging on the field, boys? Uh, well, I'd put this in as bad a category as racism once you target someone's family. It is as personal as it gets when you take that pathway. That's definitely crossed the line. There is jest and there's things you can say, but what was said, which most people already know about, was definitely crossing a line. And I think as far as sledging goes, where the line is is very difficult to say. Um, personal attacks on you is fine. Like that's just skin off a duck's back. You don't have to listen to them. But when you start taking people that aren't there to defend themselves into it, that suddenly becomes a problem for me. Yeah, on top of that, you nailed it. He attacked his family. He also attacked his faith um, because it it was also something that was in midst of his Christian beliefs. I pretty much think Dane Zorko crossed the line. If this was in amateur football, he would have probably got KO'd by one of the teammates if you say something like that. Um, if well, it would have been would have been a massive biff in amateur footy if that yep. was if that if that got said on the field. If Melbourne weren't playing finals, he probably would have copped a lot more heat than he did for saying what he did. Like you've seen, um, Stephen May got in his face and Zorko looked afraid. Max Corn went to have a go at him and Oscar McKinnery had to push him back. So, like, you could tell that it really struck hard to Harrison Petty for the fact that these Melbourne players literally went up and got in Zorko's face. I think the apology doesn't mean nothing because... When anyone gets caught out, they're going to apologize. Bailey Smith got caught doing drugs. What does he do? Public apology. It's just what you do. So whether Dane Zorko's intentions are legitimate, I don't think so because he's literally thought about something personal and gone up and upset him because what? You're losing a game of football? Absolute flog. I just want to say on that point, I don't usually give the Melbourne team props because they do a lot of dumb stuff. Collingwood does too, so I'm not immune to that. But I thought the way the players handled this situation was amazing from Melbourne. They could have started Biff, as you said, but they decided to just try and let Zorko know that it was out of line. And I think they went about it the right way. And I think it's shown in that Melbourne... Yeah, really stood up for him, but they did it in a way that was, I guess, not what we're used to seeing. Um, they tried to, yeah, just un- let Zorko know that he'd crossed the line. And yeah, Zorko is going to be paying for this one for a while, I think. Even though he didn't get a fine or anything else, I think mentally he's going to pay for this one for a while. And I think he knows he's going to be paying it for a while, mm. especially especially next time uh, Brisbane and Melbourne meet as well. Yeah, when there's no finals, I think he might get a little bit of just desserts. Yeah, I think so. 
Um, just on that though, I've also I don't remember exactly where I've seen it, but I've seen some rumors that apparently um Brisbane may be looking into Zorko losing his captaincy over it because he tried to set the precedent of them giving Melbourne biff before this. Like Cam Rayner like did unnecessary things, got reported, so did another player. Like they just come in unnecessarily violent to try to set a precedent of like you're gonna earn this game. And then Zorko's come out and made this sledge and uh, apparently the Brisbane behind the scenes aren't happy with the image that Zorko's tried to captain the club. I think you'll find that Harris Andros will be the captain in 2023. I think you can take that to the bank. He's already vice-captain and I think it's time for a change. Zorko's 34. This is a good way to move him out of captaincy and and let Andrews take the number one mantle. All right, it's time for the weekly quiz. I'm not sure how many more weeks the quiz has got in it. I think it might be maybe the last week. We might just do a poll and see whether or not the listeners want any more quizzes. So, Rick, you can get on that this week, all right? But let's roll straight into it. This week's quiz is wrap, uh, keeping in line with this week's episode, wrapping up the 2022 season. So, question one, which two teams... Played in the only draw of the season. Craig. Craig. It was Fremantle and they played against Richmond. Correct. Question two. Which Wait, where's my bonus point chance? There is no bonus point in this oh, one. Oh, what a stitch up. There's, there's bonus points in the other questions. Settle down there, mate. Question two. Which team lost by the biggest margin this year? Rick. North Melbourne. Oh, Correct. Did they, who they lose to? I don't know, but they sucked. <laughs> Bonus point, Craig, if you can tell me by how many points. Oh, can't you say who they lost to? They probably lost to Geelong by about 111 points. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, because you got so close, I'm giving you that bonus point. Is Geelong, Geelong by 112 points? So, <laughs> what a guess. You, uh, Genius. you get that. So, 2 1 to, no, 3 1 to. Craig, because he oh two two no, sorry two, two one. one yeah yeah two one. Question three, we just saw it because we're watching the awards night. But who won the Coleman this year? Rick Charlie Kernow. Correct. Two two. Question four. Two players have kicked eight goals in a match this Rick. year. Who are they? Josh Kennedy and Charlie Kernow. Incorrect, Craig. Actually, Tom Lynch oh. kicked eight on the weekend. Correct, JK and Tom Lynch. I thought you'd be all over that, Rick, considering you were rambling on about Tom Lynch before. All right, Who's question- Tom Lynch? I only know the one that plays for North Melbourne. <laughs> all right, uh, question five. Which player, this is, a, this is a question Rick will get, which player recorded the highest disposals right. in a match? It was Clayton Oliver. Correct, nice and a bonus point, bonus point for Rick if you can tell me how many disposals he got in a game. 43. 45. I decided just in this moment that the buffer's won, so you don't get a bonus point. <laughs> that sounds like a good buffer. All right. I don't even know the score, but as usual, it doesn't matter. The bonus, qu- uh, sorry, the decider question decides the quiz, and it is this year, which player has recorded Craig. the highest? Roy Led. Incorrect. I'll finish the question. You get a free guess, Rick. Yes, please. Oh, boo. This year, which player has recorded the highest number of center clearances in a single match? Clayton Oliver. Incorrect. Okay, so back to Craig. Patrick Cripps. Incorrect. That's okay. Craig again. 
Wait, can I go again? Yeah, it was a Rick's turn now. Uh, you can go because Rick's got a confused look on his face. It's obviously LDU. It is not LDU. What? We saw him get like 100 in a game. I uh, know, but it's not LDU. Uh, Rick, you're up. Brayshaw? Incorrect. Tuke Miller. Correct. Ah! Craig wins the quiz. Uh, yeah, we'll put up a poll on Instagram this week. Um, Bonus point for the steal. He had. Oh, actually, no. This is actually on my sheet. <laughs> Craig, Craig, Craig has possibly not won the quiz. Let's backtrack. What? Are we talking center clearances only? So the question was center clearances. There's no buffer on this one. There's no buffer. You have to get this smack on. How many center clearances did he get as his high in this year's game? 22. That oh, is way over the mark. It would be about nine or something. No, it was 15. Oh, did he really? 15. Well, I could get 15 center clearances. <laughs> Maybe for the local club in D grade. No, nah, not even there. <laughs> now, nah, so, yeah, we'll put up a poll during the week whether or not um, we want the quiz to go ahead. But I tell you, the question hunting is getting very thin. All right, so Craig, the other week, mentioned... Was it last week? Oh, uh, was a week, couple, couple of weeks, of weeks ago, ago. The best of the rest idea for this week coming. Yeah, for the buy round. The bottom eight, uh, the team's 10. Sorry, bottom 10 teams who didn't make the finals, uh, pick in, picking two teams and then battling out for some entertainment for the fans and some uh, some last footy for the people who didn't make finals. And Rick and Craig are going to draft a team from the players left in the bottom 10 teams and we'll put them up on social media and you guys can vote who drafted the best team. Yeah, because I think it would be a good concept. So we'll just see how strong these teams could be as well. Rick has the first pick, I believe he wanted. I was about to say, I was going to give it to you anyway because you lost the quiz, so you can pick first, Rick. Is there a wager on this or are you just bragging rights? Uh, just bragging rights, but the whole idea is would you want to watch this game on the bye weekend? We'll also put that question up because if this is on the bye weekend, yeah, yeah and, which, and which team would win? We'll vote who's yeah. got the better team, which team would win, and if, you're gonna, if you would watch this game this week. I would. All right, Craig has wanted a Collingwood segment again this week, so far away. This was a requested Collingwood segment from James Potiphar, um, who, who they butchered his last name last on the last I podcast. I did not. I said it right. Rick did not. Um, this is not a, a real rant on the Collingwood one. This one is. Um, this is just a bit of a what a good season Collingwood has had. James would like to say Nick. Um, they won six games from behind. Um, this year, they also won another six in those 12 um, that were from leading at three-quarter time. Um, the team was went from 17th to 4th on the ladder, which is a pretty crazy rise. Um, Fremantle and other teams also did good, but to come from second last last year to the fourth best team on percentage um, this year is an amazing achievement. Um, and James just wants to do a shout-out to uh, Braden Maynard. Extremely tough footballer, played a hard football, and also to Jack Ginevan, who came in and uh, copped a bit of sledging and a bit of media heat this year, but in a couple of big games has scored 30-odd goals as a small forward. So I know you hate listening to Collingwood stuff, but James wanted me to pump up the boys a bit, um, so I will, which Peter and Rick allow me to do that on here, because I just listen to Port and Crows all week, so every now and again I like to get a bit of my team in. That's all for the Collingwood segment. During the week, we put up a poll 
uh, asking if anyone would want to join us doing the AFL double, uh, AFLW fantasy this season. So there are about 20 or 25 people that voted for yes. So if you're one of those people or you're wanting to participate, let us know. It is a little bit late. It does. The season starts this Friday night. Um, but if you're wanting to participate, it's aflwfantasy.com.au. It's free to sign up. Uh, it's externally run from the AFL Fantasy, but it still should be fun um, now that the AFL minor rounds are finished. So just a quick uh, overview of it and how it works. It is a salary cap of just under $1.4 million, 21 pay- players total, five defenders, five midfielders, one ruck, five forwards, and five for the interchange. Uh, the website doesn't allow for specific leagues to be run as it's like a quite a new platform, but there is overall rankings for all the teams that enter. So if you direct message us on either Facebook or Instagram with your team name, um, I will make a ladder and monitor over the season if people are willing to participate. Um, there are prizes, not from us, but from AFLW Fantasy uh, as well. And who knows, we may we may give out a, a prize to the winner if um, enough people join us. So yeah, if you're interested, let us know. The teams have to be in for the first round by tomorrow night. Um, but if we do get enough people, we can just calculate our our ladder from the following week and we can start next week. So there's no issues with that. Have a quick talk about AFLW while we're here. Season is starting this week. It is starting this week. I want to mention that I have been to a couple AFLW grand finals, um, which the Crows played in. Even though I go for Collingwood in the AFL, I don't have any real affiliation to Collingwood in the AFLW. I was going for the Crows for the first few seasons because I knew the players and I supported friends and stuff that played out there. Yeah, I just associate as a different league altogether to AFL. I don't really feel so super strongly aligned to the Collingwood VFL team. I like. I hope they do well. I want to ask Rick, being as poor as now in AFLW, is that where your allegiance will lie? Is more so where I'm leading with that? Yes, my allegiance will lie with the Port Adelaide AFLW team. I'm actually going to sign up as a member. It's only $50. Um, People are going to need to sign up to get the sport growing, to get it bigger, to have proper fantasy platforms. Um, If I'm available and free on the weekends, I'm actually going to try to go to at least half the games this year. Um, I'd be down to go yeah. watch a game or two. I'm, I'm keen to get out this year as well. I've got a, there's a couple of mates that have messaged me during the week from the poll that we put out. They're keen to do the league. One of them's actually been. He said he messaged me today saying he's been listening to a few podcasts to get a grasp of who is actually relevant in AFLW. So there are actually AFLW fantasy podcasts that exist as well. Um, so it is growing. Um, so yeah, I think we should get around it and support it. I mean. It's it's starting Friday, so minor rounds are finished now. So, yeah, get around it. And local footy is going to be finishing soon too. So, what else is there to watch on the weekend? Might as well get out and have a look at it. Yeah, we'll add some more fantasy uh, or not even fantasy, just AFLW content as we learn more about it and uh, go see a few games and uh, players we like and whatnot. I just think that I think the AFLW fantasy is a great idea from this person that's created it because it's going to get players known more and people might be a bit more engaged watching it if they've got their own agenda to it as well. I know that sounds like it's taking away from the players that are playing AFLW, but like Rick said, at the end of the day, people are going to have to sign up, support it for this sport to grow. So I think this is a great 
uh, step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. Um, you boys might not know, but on the um, old Instagram, I've actually been starting to follow some AFLW um, players, reach out to a few of them. Hopefully we can get someone on the podcast just to help spread their message, talk about the battles of women's football, all of this. But like, yeah, like I said, I'm keen to support it. Even if we go out to half the games, that's only going to be like three or four home games in SA. So it's not a crazy thing to go out and do and like might even try to get some content actually at the games because there's not going to be heaps of fans and stuff. So potentially we might be able to have a quick one-on-one chat with some of the players. And uh, we'll uh, have to tee up and go to the uh, the showdown this year for the AFLW. That would be a good game to watch, I think. Yeah. Jake from Tyrannical in our Keeper League normally sends us the players to look out for for your rebuilds, but this week he has sent us six players who should be your 2023 trade targets. So let's just uh, rattle them off and talk about them. Uh, Craig, you can go first. All right. The first one he has is Darcy Parrish. The man finished 2021 on fire and early 2022 showed growth. Unfortunately, he got injured in round 11 and only managed five more games to the season, but he averaged 108 and was Essendon's best midfielder. Having an extended run and a good preseason in 2023, fans should should give Essendon fans something to be excited about um, because we know it all won't be finals. That's quite funny, Jake. I like that um, as someone who dislikes Essendon. But he says, try and get Darcy Met Parrish back in your team because he does have that 110-plus point average he's capable of. So we'll move on to Rick, who's got the second player on the list. And it is a beauty with Connor Rosie. So in his last seven games, he's gone over 100 um, six times. He's got a high of 144, showing that he actually has a ceiling. Um, he's starting to develop into the player that he was hyped out to be um, when busting onto the scene. Um, Port looked to continue the push for youth, and Rosie's in the, in the middle now, um, and he's going to be a mainstay. Um, the man doesn't mind a few sneaky goals either, so he's also got the ability to go big on a weekly basis. Yep, like that one. All right, the third one is Matthew the Butcher Crouch, as Jake has dubbed him. So the man has below par skill set on the footy field, but damn, he knows how to find the pill. Out of... (laughs) It's not bad. um, So out of favour at the Crows, only getting 11 games in the senior side has impacted his uh, 2022 campaign. From 11 games, he still averaged just under 88 points. Uh, I know it's significantly lower than his best of 106 in 2017, but if his brother's form at a new club is anything to go by, then he may bounce back for the 2023 season where he should play regular games if he gets uh, slotted into a decent side. Yeah, if he goes to one of those North Melbourne type Mm. players, he could get some touches for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Number four, Ed Richards finished 2022 on fire. His last six games were a 95.6 average. Bulldogs looking to get the ball in his hands across halfback. Um, He's a big plus six player with Dale and with Daniel there. Um, He could average over 90 in 2023. And if uh, he has gone under the radar with some people, you could trade and try and get him in on the cheap even if possible. Um, next up is Lockie Ash. So he's still only young. He's 21 years old. This young man has had a terrible run of form and injury. Um, he ended 2021 averaging 78 fantasy points. With what's being talked about, the trade rumor mill, there's going to be a mass exodus from the Giants going into 2023. With Ash finding his form and a clean run of health, I can see his pace bursting through the midfield in 2023. If anyone wants to offer me anything for Lockie Ash, he is 100% on the table from the Cleveland Steamers because he's on the verge of, yeah, uh, 
I've had enough of him. We may talk after this. <laughs> all right, Pete, finish it off. There's uh, one left, or do you want me to take it? Uh, that's right. So number six, Brody Grundy, with all the talk of the t- uh, of the town that he will be finding a new home in 2023. The previous number one ruck will be a good recruit for his uh, for both his new team and your fantasy team in 2023. Uh, he'll make an immediate impact for his new club. He'll be looking to impress, so he'll be recapturing his 2018-2019 fantasy form where he averaged over 120 for the season. In 2022... Pre-injury, he was averaging 93, uh, which is still solid with a full preseason. He'll be stamping his uh, premiership ruck form. I was just going to talk about Adelaide Crows picking a new headquarters. Um, I just think Epperton is in a bad location. Um, I think it's pretty close to the ground. And I know that it was Lakes facilities. They stopped putting money into that a long time ago. Um, look like if you go to port facilities, which me and Peter went down to watch some of an NFL game during the year, uh, it looks pretty amazing what port have done, especially with all their new rooms as soon as you walk in the door, really. It all looks pretty amazing there. So well, their merchandise shop was pretty elite. Their that, whole the setup hub, I think, is going to be really is, amazing. Is so I think the Crows needed to pick somewhere and they need to get the ball rolling ASAP and Thibbton's a great spot. Um, I think to to make a base that will only help their brand. So I just wanted to put a shout out on thank God they've picked somewhere the crows because we've been beating around this bush for a while now. All right, Rick, you got some listener questions for us. Um, so first of all, this question comes from Ryan Roberts. So on the podcast last week, I did say he was going to get smashed in the grand final. Congratulations, Ryan. He actually won. I'll add you to the winners chat now that we've got secretly that the people in the NFL don't know about. Well, they do now if they listen to the podcast. So Yeah, it doesn't matter, but they're not but in it. They don't get to see to the say, stuff. They're not going to get in unless they win. So. <laughs> did he Did he win well or was it a close close matchup? Um, Rowan Marshall shit the bed for the coach that was – like he went 18-2 and two this year. Like his team looked unstoppable and Rowan Marshall scored 43, I think he ended up on. So that really sunk Good the job, battleship. Ryan. Um, so Ryan's question is, are the Crows paying overs for Rankin? Is he a game winner? So first of all, we don't know what the Crows are going to pay for him. 900K. I We've already spoke about That's ridiculous. I saw an article today that it's going to be about 800 to 850. He's not worth that. I agree. He's not worth that at the moment. Uh, okay. Unanimous vote. That carries. He is not worth that. I would be starting him on 600,000 before I make him $800,000 player. Even if you back end the contract with some incentives to get to eight hundred, um, he hasn't produced enough good football for me to pay that much. Highest paid player in Crow's history if he gets this contract. Really? That's yep. ridiculous. I I agree with Craig. I don't think we should be paying him eight hundred thousand, but I don't have any any hesitancy to give him a clause in the contract that can that can give him some more cash later on. So Yeah, even if for the first year you say six hundred thousand and if he kicks 30 plus goals then he gets up to 800 something yeah. that's a achievable yeah. target I, f- I feel like because he's also only coming off the form of the last 12 games is what they're banking on as well so I just think it's a massive gamble for someone who's only played well for the latter half of the season and to be well I didn't know this until now but till the highest paid Adelaide player that's just outrageous in my opinion I mean i I think he'd be good at the Crows, but for that price, I don't, really don't want to pay that much for him. Yeah, for that type of money, you want a player that's literally can single-handedly win you games. Oh, exactly. Isaac How Br- much did you say that Oliver's on? 
Yeah, I think Oliver just signed like a 10-year deal for like 900K a year. I suppose it's a 10-year deal though. But, I mean, well, you're only paying him $100,000 less than Oliver. Well, and that's gone if, if, if the figure's 800. If it's 850, 900, you're paying, you're paying the same quids as you are for Oliver and you're getting ranking. I mean, how do you even compare that? If we had enough time, I reckon I could name you 200 players in the AFL. I'd pay 800 grand to before Isaac Rankin, but that is need a whole podcast in itself to name them. If you make the slideshow, I think uh, Kane Corns will appreciate that. And pick fours apparently in that as well. So well, you got to pay a high price for him because he was pick three. So I, I yeah. understand that, but I wouldn't pay any more than one first round pick for him. No, which is apparently I heard that they may. Gold Coast may try and get two, but then obviously they're going to count with one and they'll probably meet in the middle somewhere with maybe a late pick back or something like that. But I, th- I think that's what's going to happen. Well, there could be some good players from SA coming through the draft. Uh, Mateus Filippo, for example, or a couple of big key forwards from South Australia that they could take ahead of um, with such a high pick. Um, a couple of good midfielders. So, um, I, yeah, I don't even know if I would go for ranking. All right. Um, so the next question is, this comes from someone that I uh, work at Bunnings with. I did work at Bunnings with. He's since left. So Damien said, would I rather spend 10 minutes in the cut shop or have Hinkley coach until 2025? Just put it out there. I'll do a whole week in the cut shop if we sack Ken Hinkley now and go get a new coach. That's a, Everyone knows how I feel about Ken Hinkley at this yeah, point. Yeah, if you listen to the previous podcast, you know how Rick feels about Hinkley. Well, he's going to be talking from all summer because he ain't going anywhere. Um, we've just got a couple of anonymous questions that have been sent in. So the first one is, does North Melbourne make the eight next year? Not even with Alistair Clarkson. No, agreed. In the next two years, they won't make the eight. They'll do significantly better than this year, but they won't make the eight. Yeah, well, four wins and they won two this year. They get four next year. That's significantly better. All right, and the last question, where does Ben Rudden go from here? Port Adelaide. I did hear a rumor he might come back to SA. There was a that was said by Rick's favorite fringe reporter, Rowie, said don't be surprised if uh, he makes his way back to South Australia. Don't the- trust him, fringe reporter that guy. <laughs> the Port Adelaide coaches box could use a shake up. Um, they got one more win in the Crows this year, so uh, perhaps some fresh blood in there might help. But we all know he shouldn't be the defensive coach because. Essendon had a crap defense. The Fords coach, you might, I don't know who that is at Port, but turning Peter Wright into a 50 goal a year kicker is a pretty good achievement because everyone thought he was rubbish. So maybe as a Ford coach at Port. Rick, reach out. Rick, reach out! All right, Rick, I hear you have some exciting news for your reach out this week. We uh, Can we make it two from two? We had the Pitch Invader this week. Who have we got for the reach out? So, you nailed it. We're building traction. We're building hype. We're ready to go. Rick's getting popular on Instagram. People are responding. So, Jezza, shout out. So, Jezza was actually the reach out from this week, and that was successful. But... So, next week, we have another guest for you from one of my previous reach-outs. So, next week, look forward to Matthias Philippou from the SANFL, who's a potential top five draft draft prospect this year, coming on to the show. So, make sure you tune into that one. Shout out to Matthias for getting back to me. Really appreciate it. And we look forward to hearing from you. That is a very exciting get for us as our little podcast, um, to have someone who... 
could be playing at the Crows if they kept their top pick in the draft. Um, if not, he'll be playing for someone next year in the AFL and we hope for good things from him for sure. Very exciting. It's just uh, very nice to finally do a segment with Rick's reach out with a response and not only kicking it off this week, but with two responses. So you've got some, uh, you've got to keep this consistency, Rick. Also, just on that, we also have someone else in the work. So stay tuned. The names are getting bigger and bigger and, and bigger names coming even later on in the year. No, if there's anyone else that you uh, if there's anyone else that you want us uh, want Rick to reach out to, send us a message on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, now that Rick's got some traction, he's feeling pretty good. Thinks he can get a response from everybody. So their celebrity status or no celebrity status, send them send us a message and we will try to reach out to them for you. Yeah, we will. Well, Rick will reach out to them anyway. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there for the people listening in the next few weeks. Um, we're going to be talking about the teams from bottom to top and analysing a bit of their season. Um, we're also going to have a few special guests, hopefully, if Rick's reach out goes well. We'll try and throw the AFLW stuff in there as we learn a bit more about the game. Um, and we're not going to try and bore you with all our content uh, over the summer. We're going to make sure we actually got relevant content to give you, not just talking for the sake of meeting up every Tuesday, eating some dumplings and, and talking shit. So we will bring you some worthy stuff to listen to. It's also good to see that some of the some of the listeners are actually sending in some questions, which is good because that gets us some content that you guys actually want to listen to. So keep those flowing, and we'll we'll make uh, we answer basically every question that's reasonable that comes in. We will answer it on the podcast. So uh, make sure you keep sending in those listener questions. Rick's pushing the Instagram page, um, so make sure you get on that. Give it a like, give it a share. Trying to get our reach a little bit more, along with having. A, a couple of special guests we also will hopefully uh whether it's this week or next week we're going to be rebranding we'll have a new logo so we're going to be pumping that out very shortly so stay tuned a lot of exciting stuff on the footy feast podcast page just the last thing that i want to touch on so thank you to all the listeners um craig and pete also touched on it we are the footy podcast if you're hungry for more content just because the football season's wrapping up other other podcasts are all shutting down now but we will have episodes coming out um, give us as much content as you want on Instagram. It will help us out. I'm happy to talk about anything that you want us to talk about. 